Hello and welcome to another episode of the Animation Industry Podcast. Thank you for joining me. My name is Terry and I have a problem with watering succulents too much and then they die on me. This chat is with Keith Packes, a director, story artist, writer, and personally uh, one of my favorite 2D animators. Um, and Keith has had quite the career in 2D animated shows. He was a storyboard director on Costume Quest, as well as a story artist on Arlo the Alligator Boy. And he's directed shows like Thundercats Roar and Aquaman King of Atlantis. He also, if you've seen his social media, he posts these super cute little animated loops on his Instagram, where he's built quite the following of over 10,000 people. Now in our chat, Keith shares how he moved to LA in pursuit of animation and how he climbed the ladder of animation career success to <laughs> become a director. Now before we jump in, this episode is sponsored in part by Mount MoGraph. You can learn more about their software at mtmo.co or check out the description of this chat. For over 10 years, Mount MoGraph has powered up animators and motion designers with industry-leading plugins and software. They offer an unrivaled lifetime license that will leave you speechless with constant updates and next generation tools to improve your workflow like Boombox, their all-in-one sound design toolkit of over 14,000 commercial grade sound effects or Wander, their ultimate media collection engine or the legendary Motion 4, also known as the most helpful extension for motion designers in Adobe After Effects, a tour de force of tools and controls for professional animators, brands and studios and pretty much all creators since 2013. Now, you can use my special code AIP at checkout for 20% off your lifetime license. And all of this information is in the description of this chat. So please go check that out. And now without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Keith. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good, good. I'm excited to chat with you because I am a really big fan of your work and I want to pick your brain apart. Um, you know, you post a lot of like really fun little loopy loops on social media, which immediately caught my attention um so like where did where did this all start for you because like how do i say like there's there's like different paths that people take in animation some people are like going crazy on like life drawing and like realism like disney level of animation and then there's like the goofy silly squashy stretchy unconventional kind of like mm, more creative direction that I think you're taking is is that is that correct <laughs> that's uh, yeah it's as eloquently as I heard it put uh, eloquently so, so so where did yeah. where did this all start for you uh where it all started so like I guess I can just give like a rough background of myself artistically pre-professional stuff because that's the boring thing I think uh so like when I was growing up I was like really into uh comic strips specifically Calvin and Hobbes uh mm. I was like as soon as I saw, like, my, my friend introduced me to Calvin and Hobbes through, like, this classic book fair, if that rings a bell. <laughs> um, yes. And I, I, like, as soon as I saw, like, the line work, like, the, the brush work, I was like, I need, I need to know how to do this, like, now. And I was, like, nine or ten, maybe, when I saw it. And I, like, spent my entire youth, like, trying so hard to be Bill Watterson, like, just figuring out how he did brush work and how he, like, you know, worked with form and uh, especially the way he, like, uh, made everything in the background so interesting, but like used minimal minimalist compositions to like make stuff pop, you know, which is like a long form way of saying like he made cartoons good. Um, so like that was like I I was like in a thesis program for myself only and only to myself 
for Bill Watterson. Like, like, Keith in a thesis yes. program of Bill Watterson. Like coming over, coming through the books and like laser focusing and like memorizing them and like some of like the joke and writing structure kind of I think seeped in there but like it was really more about like the visuals for me for a long time um so like my my way into all of this was like comics um and I watched a lot of cartoons growing up like weaned on 90s Nick tunes for the most part I was really into humor like jokes are really important to me and like what makes cartoons interesting um but nothing like super like i feel like i was like the least interesting like kid as far as like i never introduced people to things and they were like wow i never thought about that i was always like the person being introduced to things and being like wow that's crazy um so like i was a huge fan of like rock was modern life growing up um uh, I, I still stand behind a lot of the like uh the humor style of that show although a lot of it is very dated and like there's some stuff you're like no i can't get behind that but when, when it's really hitting right, like what stands out to me is like the Wacky Deli episode, which is like if you've worked in animation or like have any, I don't know, any cognizance of it, like it is like the the most perfect explanation of what it is like to work as an animator. And I think it, it's, it's incredible how much it's held up of like 30 years later. Um, I watched it like every year as like a uh, religious experience. Um, oh, wow. Okay. But yeah, so Nick, Nick Toons, Calvin and Hobbes comics, and then uh, kind of fast forwarding, like I was just like, I didn't have any like, I cartoons seemed like magic to me growing up so i was like i gotta just read comics and like try try to get into comics and like i want to draw stuff in like a cartoon form and comics made the most sense uh, indie comics made more sense to me than like superhero stuff ever did really so i got like uh, going into like high school and college i was just kind of focused on like making my own comics uh did that for a while i got really into doing and I, I was always very traditional about it like uh, pen and ink brush and ink only specifically uh, and it was also like I, I grew up in like the late 90s early aughts when I was like able to do things and speak you know my mind in a way so like I didn't really have the computer technology that kids have now it was just more like a product of necessity um, but I think it's like it was helpful just to have um, you know traditional like beaten into my brain before I kind of like wandered into digital um, but yeah I went through college uh, as a fine arts major at Bowling Green State University which is in Ohio uh, Nobody's ever heard of it, really, unless they are from Bowling Green State University or specifically <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio, maybe. Uh, it's a tiny, pretty, like, uh, not not well-known state school, uh, not known for anything, but really it's, like, pretty affordable and, like, decent art program. Did that uh, painting illustration was my major, uh, and I spent three and a half years there just, like, miserably not drawing cartoons for the most part, just, like, learning how to paint apples and, you know, life, real-life stuff. Uh, and then... Uh, the last semester I was there, I was like, I hate this. I'm just going to draw comics for a semester. And I did. And then that felt good. And I kept doing that afterwards after school. Didn't get a job in art because how would I have gotten a job in art? Uh, and was just kind of drawing comics on on the side while I was working at a, a data entry job, essentially, for like six years. Um, and I remember specifically staying up to like three or four in the morning for like four years straight, just like coming home from work and drawing comics for all that time. Um and then kind of uh, kind of like randomly, somebody reached out to me um, from Vice, somebody named Kevin Lee, who might ring a bell to people out in L.A. Um, but he seems to know like every single person out here. He was like a talent scout for Nickelodeon. And he reached out to me in like 2013-ish. Uh, he was like, hey, I saw your comics on. I had, I had submitted a couple of comics for Vice.com back when they did that. I don't still to this day, I don't know why they wanted my comics. It's so like it was such a weird marriage of styles didn't make any sense. But 
whatever he, uh, Kevin Lee saw them and I was like, Hey, we, you ever think about storyboarding before? And I was like, no, but what is that? And he was like, Oh, it's like, he just like yeah it's like it's like you can work for animation essentially as a comics person because essentially the it's the same brain space just you're kind of getting paid to do something slightly different than comics for animation and i hadn't really ever thought i, I had never tried animating in my life before that i really liked it i just didn't it, it seemed like such a magical unattainable thing that i never considered it and that was the first um like impetus to like oh maybe i can consider animation as a career um so fast forward to like 2016, I had, uh, I had lost my really crappy job in Ohio that I hated. So wasn't feeling bad about that, but also was like, Hey, what do I do now that I don't have a job? Um, and then I, uh, you know, had, had done it, had done one test for Nickelodeon storyboarding, um, without any experience. They were like, Hey, do you want to test for loud house? And I was like, sure. Why not? This is weird. Why not do this? Did it, uh, didn't hear back from them, <laughs> which is uh, definitely a no. Uh, and I was like, I guess, you know, that's something I could pursue in the future. Like if it ever comes up against storyboarding. So I lost the job in 2016. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll go out to LA and pursue storyboarding. And that's about as much, that's like about as deeply as I thought about it truly was like, I'm going to go out there physically and then like maybe meet up with a couple friends that I know that are out there, try to get some more tests, question mark, get a job, question mark. Um, so did that, drove out to LA, uh, I, I I had a friend out here who I actually went to the same college with, which is strange, um, who was actually working as a professional storyboard artist in Los Angeles. So that made it seem more real to me. Uh, she kind of passed my name up to some people, just, you know, the talent departments that asked for like, hey, you have any friends who are looking for boarding work? Um, this is also kind of back when like there was a pretty large bubble of uh, boarding opportunities like um there's like kind of in the national ages of streaming where people are just ordering a lot of stuff, especially a lot of cartoons. So there's a lot of jobs available. Uh, I, must, I don't know if I'm talking way too I mean, much. I, I single stream here. <laughs> I would just get to let you time. keep talking. Cause you're just, you're just answering all the questions that come up. I guess I do have some questions. So it sounds like you have a very one track mind in art and animation from a very young age where you're just like, I want to steep myself in this and just pursue it kind of yeah. on the side, no matter what's going on. Cause even when you have a data entry job and you're staying up to like 4am to do comics, that's, that's like not, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Absolutely. <laughs> that's not. not normal. But I, no. I guess like, so you went, you went and studied like professional art in school. Do you think that that experience helped you hone your, your like, comic skills at least even if you hated it yeah I, yeah like i, I know yeah, there are people I, out there that are just kind of like drawing as a hobby my i used to draw and do comics as a hobby and then it, it wasn't until i went to, to animation school i was like oh wow i don't know anything <laughs> yeah i, I thought I, think, I knew everything and i don't know anything <laughs> i think i had like uh so i kind of brushed past it uh, in that ramble but like yeah what you're saying like where i i got to college and like i remember my first drawing class the teacher was like teaching us how to hold a pencil i mean if you had that experience where it's like you shouldn't hold it right at the tip of the pencil as hard as you can. You have to kind of like learn how to like draw with gesture and like kind of let yourself like relax a little bit, but also kind of like draw more broadly not try to draw every line perfect, et cetera. I remember that like blowing my mind and also like giving me an anxiety attack. Cause I was like, he wants us to hold the pencil a different way and like think yeah. about drawing in a totally different way. And I, and I would like, the weird thing about me is like, I'm not the most confident person, but like having this thing with the one track mind, I was like, here's the one thing I know I'm good at. Uh, and when that got kind of blown up for like a moment, I was like, oh no, this is everything that I believe that I, yeah, I'm bad at everything. Um, but like, and, you know, I, I, I stuck with it and like ended up 
being like really I think I'm I think I'm pretty grateful now of my art my art school experience just because like I spent three years um just learning how to like see things uh differently and like even just learning tricks like how to get like if you're looking at a thing in life like a life drawing and like, you can kind of do this like trick with your pen in an angle where you can kind of like give yourself a literal kind of ruler you know Yeah, with your yeah. pencil to eye thing if you've done the same thing like that kind of small stuff it's like you would waste so much time if you didn't have those little tricks just like doing stuff that ultimately doesn't matter because I, you know, I think like a lot of people growing up in art think what matters is like being good and like proving you're a good artist which means like never ever <laughs> letting your drawing be something that's not like looking amazing or like has you know you, like you can't see yourself drawing something unless it is drawn like kind of without mistake or whatever i don't like this maybe a better way to explain it but Yeah, you want um to be a perfect like every artist at some level is a perfectionist of their own stuff. yeah yeah and it's even like and it, like for me it got to like such a granular point where it was like i wouldn't draw because i was like well if this first line doesn't come out the way i want it to like what's the point like it's a crazy way to think but it's how i thought and like that art school experience kind of like broke that out of me which was nice and i also just learned how to like i learned some color theory and uh, i had a teacher that like taught a watercolor class which i found really interesting considering i was like obsessed with Calvin and Hobbes, a lot of watercolor stuff in Bill Watterson's work. I wanted to learn how to do that. And like, she just kind of like taught me like, Hey, here's like, you should have a palette. It's not just like about finding the exact color and putting the exact color in the page. It's like, you have to build up the painting. Like you build any other painting, like a base wash and then like get your palette going. You got to start, you know, broadly and then build up to more details. Like, Oh, like just learning the formula of making a piece of art is helpful. And then like, when you have all that, you can kind of develop your own system, what works best for you. And you can throw out what doesn't work for you. Um, so It to answer sounds your... like uh, your education was a little bit more worth it than than you might have given credit to at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think like in this, the last like three years, like this is a pretty maybe just getting older too. Like I just I, I was so mad at my student loans for so long, and then I'm like, well, I, I do use the education that I got, so Fair, fair. you know, So, it was valuable. so you're working a data entry job, which you hate, and Mm -hmm. you're making comics on the side. And randomly, this talent uh, agent guy, Lee, reaches out to you and is like, do you want to do you want to work in Nickelodeon for storyboards? Have you thought about that? That sounds crazy to me. Like, yeah it's pretty nuts it's pretty like, nuts is that I don't is that normal? Does that, is that normal to happen? Like, was it a, like a thing of the times, like back in 2014 or 2016 or whatever it was? yeah Or yeah because like, I can't imagine that really happening. That seems like it's not a thing. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point to bring up because like every five years, it seems like there's a new a new way people start getting into the industry. Uh, so back then, uh, specifically, I remember because like kind of in the wake of Adventure Time and like the success of like indie comic style cartoons, uh, there was like a directive from up top, like go out there and find like good indie comics people like they hired like development people literally whose job was to be like look at stuff online and be like do you think this is cool and if you do like get them just reach out to them either like not like offer them jobs but just like hey get them in like the circle of you know whatever interesting yeah that kind of of makes interest sense because like adventure time is very like comic comic book style at the time and if people were trying to like replicate that success or like keep it going then then like hiring people who came out of animation school is not going to work because those people are very like structured to to like go down the disney path <laughs> Yeah, of like yeah. all that stuff so have you other than this three-year college experience have you really taken any courses on like storyboarding or like uh anatomy drawing or like perspective drawing No, or anything and and here you have I want. like you know you've been storyboarding and directing like tv shows
and you don't have all that all that like under your belt. So how how have you how have you I guess proven your skill level to uh, for the executives whoever is hiring you to say like yeah we trust we trust Keith like I know I know that nobody like yeah. looks at your education they're like oh uh, let's see if he actually did that anatomy course but it's more or less like you know proven through your portfolio etc. So how did you how did you become somebody that people could trust to hand off like a directing role to when when you haven't had these typical experiences a lot of other people have. Yeah, I think like, so like the CalArts experience, which is like what you kind of touched on, where it's just like people learn exactly how to work in animation and like how it's done. Yeah. Like that's, that pipeline's pretty clear. Uh, but I've met like as many people outside of that as I've met people inside of that uh, working out here in like my eight years. So uh, my personal journey was just like uh, kind of learning on the fly. Luck's a lot, lot to do with it. Obviously, like I'm a very privileged person who like had the, benefit of like one thing I, I forgot to, I kind of passed over was that uh so Kevin Lee seeing my comics for Vice is a direct result of I went to grade school with somebody named John, John Malta who is a pretty famous like illustrator designer artist uh, out of he's, he worked in New York for a while I think he's in Kansas now but we were like really close friends growing up um he was like hey I, I know the editor of the comics se section of advice if you ever want to submit stuff do it and I was like all right I'll do that um and it was like 100 bucks of comics it wasn't like a living but it was like the first thing I'd ever done that like would potentially get my comics in front of anybody that wasn't just like people who happened upon it on Tumblr which is you know not going to get you professional jobs most of the time uh so like luck and knowing people is always helpful especially when you're not coming through the pipeline which is you know it's all part of everything always not messing anything out of school here but um for me like one thing that I did do coming out here was I like I put together uh, two pilot boards because um, I didn't know anything about storyboarding. And I was like, I think I get an idea of, of what it's like based on the test I did. Like I kind of under, like I understand some inherent nature of how visual storytelling works. I was kind of like. So they just handed you a paper and said, like, do a test for us. And like, it, it's even like even a few years ago, it was hard to find storyboards online if you didn't know what they were. Yeah. Uh, so there there was like, you know, there's like the Simpsons one, which is like the Simpsons Bible, which is pretty famous. You can find that king of the hill that kind of stuff but like I what I would say to people like who are looking to break in like that stuff is not helpful because it changes so much and it's so specific to the show that if you're just trying to like if you if you put too much uh too much of uh what they tell you into what you were doing you're going to kind of pigeonhole yourself to a certain extent yeah. so I think like it's important to like kind of trust your gut and you know like watch cartoons and be like you know kind of just like absorb it and decide what you think is interesting and uh it's more intuitive than it seems like uh, at first there's rules you got to learn you know technical stuff but like every job i've had um people are willing to like ride with like the oh you're new you don't know what like an ab cycle it's like that's so easy you can teach that literally in seconds it's more like you know if somebody doesn't know how to like compose a scene or like doesn't have the drawing skills required to do boarding it's like you can't really work around that yeah so it's like just truly working on like what your voices and like getting your drawing skills up to you know par is like the most sure. important thing what do you mean um, by voice or like absorbing cartoons like what are you talking about like you know absorbing how they layer a scene and the characters interact or are you talking about like developing your own kind of style of humor and storytelling i think it's it's a mixture of both like your your voice and the way you tell stories like even on a show that's very like we want things a certain way like you're still kind of deciding where the scene's going to be like as a board artist you're still to like out of nothing create something yeah. So voice is important, even if it's a, you know, in, in my experience, like 
you're at least giving 50 50 creative input like even if the script is pretty tied down you still have to decide how what these words mean are going to correlate to a picture right yeah. um but even like watching cart like watching cartoons like watching a, a ghibli film like uh i'm not sitting there taking notes but like when something like tickles you and you're like i love that like you know that's important to kind of track like to watch things a little more actively i think is helpful yeah. um I think sorry, like what yeah. is an what is an A B sequence? Uh, sorry, an A B cycle. Just being like it's, it's like one of the simplest things you'll learn, which is like you know if a character is gonna move their hand from like they're gonna give a wave you know to somebody leaving, right? A poses yeah. this, B poses that, and you just mark it A B. So oh, okay. anima animators know that these are the key poses. Essentially, it's one of the simplest things that gotcha. you learn in storyboarding. I'm not a storyboard artist. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it like it sounds like non nonsense gobbledygook if you're just saying it out loud like I am, but my essential point is that like um technical stuff is so easy to learn um yeah. but the like what makes you interesting as an artist what you find interesting is the thing that people will hire you for and will keep hiring you for and like to kind of answer your uh initial part of the question which is how did i break in without having like industry portfolio stuff is like i just did i was like all right uh this is kind of how i work as a person like i want to do this and instead of like taking a bunch of classes and like learning the steps i'm just going to try to do the whole thing at once and like kind of fall over myself and figure the kind of holistic part of it out so i just did like a uh, two pilot boards for an idea for a couple ideas um pilot board one is of like them. a pilot episode boarded yeah original idea so like you can do you know whatever you can do it's essentially like doing uh you know if you're like trying to get into script writing you can do like a spec script for like star trek for example yeah uh, or in my case because you're a maniac who doesn't like to do easy things you create a whole world of your own characters and try to make your own pilot original you know whatever <laughs> so i did that with two ideas uh and at the time nickelodeon was also taking like pitches from anybody same same kind of reason i got into it they were just like open the doors to all creators if, if you have any kind of like interesting perspective we'll like you know their shorts program was pre shorts program was pretty wide open and i submitted to that twice uh it was mostly just like a, an, i wanted to have the experience of like pitching to people which in a room which is super helpful but also just like pretty much the process of making a storyboard like learning how much work it takes learning how to write and paste things out especially when you're just like you know making a pdf of images and you have to kind of like present it essentially to people yeah. it teaches you like how to the, not be boring. Yeah, how to not be boring in the, in the incredible like whirlwind of 20 different skills it takes to be a storyboard artist, which is like you have to learn how to kind of act. You have to kind of you have to know how to edit and paste things even if you're not doing that. You have to know how to revise your own stuff. You have to know how to like make things from words to pictures. Like it's a, it's everything essentially that storytelling visually would require. Um, so yeah, that was my basic thing was just like I wanted to make my own thing. So at least if, if it didn't get taken which i knew it probably wouldn't you know just realistically uh, i at least would have a portfolio piece which i did and like that helped me like when, when i would get tests like most places would like find you through um somebody submitting your name or whatever and like that portfolio you have which is like they want to see if you have the skills literally to do the job so if you have storyboarding a story, like a couple storyboards uh there for them to look at they can go like okay this person's not just somebody who draws like fan art and yeah. maybe can't do like 200 drawings per day which is roughly the, the requirement for the jobs now um yeah that was it that was it for me just like how much how much was crazy. being in LA a factor in getting hired eventually like could you have still lived in Ohio and just kind of submitted online or something still I think the time that I was trying to break into it it would have been extremely rare especially right. like break breaking into the industry would have been much harder not being there physically I think it's always kind of that way but now like work from home is so kind of 
um, like normalized that I yeah, think yeah. that I, I, I've had experience like hiring people just like without, you know, hiring them remotely, like for their first gigs and it's gotcha. fine. It's just, it's just a matter of the times. Yeah. Okay. So you made another thesis project for yourself. So continuing from when you were nine years old doing uh, Calvin and Hobbes thesis, you're like, I'm going to do storyboard thesis for myself. And then that impressed enough people. They're like, oh, this guy's serious. He knows what he's doing. He's got a unique voice. Uh, we'll hire him. And then at least from my perspective, it looks like all the jobs that you've been working on are very similar in terms of like, you're kind of like wacky, I guess, wacky. I don't know. Like the style, like Thundercats, I guess Looney Tunes is like the only thing that's like more established, but still like a silly yeah. thing. Um, like what is like, how do I say this? Um, a lot of people will just kind of take their first job and it might be anything. It might be a preschool show. It might be an adult show. Um, it, it like, to see somebody, at least from when I look at your work, and it's all like consistently in the same line of like style, is that like, is that more rare? Because when I look at other people's like, I don't know, IMDb or something, they've worked on like a ton of different things in different styles. And they're, they're like, you know, they're following the work versus like, uh, like, are you following a specific style or just has ended up this way that you've been hired on things that seem like a good match for what you do? Uh, so I think like, it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing here. So my style, my personal style is what it is. I think it's a little um, specific, which can be helpful and hurtful. Like right. back when I was breaking in, like there was a lot getting made. So uh, I want to preface this by saying I was willing to take any job when I moved out here. I was I was testing for like a wide variety of stuff. I tested for a Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. I tested for like two things at Nick. One was Pinky Milinky, one was Loud House. Um, I think I tested for like, maybe a grand total of six or seven things uh, and got none of them. And I was like, this sucks. Hey, like, and there was like a, a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of like, uh, it was like WB, Nickelodeon, DreamWorks and um, maybe Disney. Yeah. Disney was the other one. So like four big studio houses and like, I was like, I'm getting kind of towards the end of the barrel here. Like I've tested for a lot of different places and they're all saying no. Uh, you know, you start to have like, like Dark Knight of the Soul where you're like, you get oh, any feedback God. when they say no, or they're just like, sorry, not hiring or they're like, uh, but here's some things you could improve on or blah, 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 blah. I'd say, I'd say half were crickets, nothing. Just, you just assume after a month they said no. Uh, some of them were like, uh, Hey, thanks for taking the test, you know, form letter, but like, we're going to move, we're going to move on with somebody else. One job, the Rocky and Bullwinkle one I got an interview for, um, mm. and I came in and they were like, Hey, uh, this board's interesting. And I was like, Thanks. And they were like, uh, so yeah, how do you feel about like, you know, pitching to a room of people? Cause it, it was been a storyboard position. They knew I had like no experience and I was a ding dong. And I was like, uh, don't love it. Not a big fan of talking in front of people. <laughs> and they were like, well, and like, can't hire him. <laughs> I just saw the guy's face, like go from like, you don't say that. Like we all feel it. You just don't say it out loud. Like <laughs> you just say like, yes. And then deal with it. So, uh, you know, I was kind of a, like a naive idiot for a while. Um, which I think like, uh, so part of that is like, I was kind of relying on my work to be the only thing about me that was good for the job because I was not a great interviewer and I was also not like a great, I hadn't built a portfolio out showing it a lot of different styles. I was showing my style specifically and that's it. Um, So I was kind of hoping that somebody would throw me like a life raft, uh, which did kind of happen. I tested for uh, a show called Home, which was at DreamWorks at the time. Um, didn't get it initially. And then somebody on the crew uh, kind of quit unexpectedly. Uh, so they were kind of like scrambling, like, oh, God, we need to fill a position. And then they reached back out to me after saying no. And we're like, hey, you still interested? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> like double, give me double the salary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not how it worked. They offered me an amount of money and I just couldn't say yes fast enough. It was pretty, 
pretty sad. Um, but I, remember I was sitting in the, I was working at a, uh, a temp job in LA when I got the call and I was sitting in like a room doing a job that I was just miserable at. And they were like, you want this job? And I was like, yes. And it was like, honestly, one of the best moments like of my professional life, just being able to know I could leave a job I hated for something that was better. <laughs> um, so yeah. So, so anyway, like to, to kind of connect the two, like uh, I was lucky enough to get home, which was like a pretty kind of wacky show, pretty humor, humor forward. And like, not super technical. Um, like I think a Disney show would be. So I got to like, yeah. Come on there and like uh i got to work under uh some people who are like very like patient with somebody who's who's like their first ever experience in the industry without like even like you know the college prep of cal arts or whatever like who is this guy we hired <laughs> yeah i mean that's honestly no experience felt. never worked before didn't go to college he's here okay great yeah. i remember seeing my my director's face after like he gave me an assignment my first my first assignment which was like just to just to basically uh revise the pose i was i was essentially i was technically a board artist but i was hired as like what was called an editorial storyboard artist which is like a revisionist yeah plus it was a revisionist with like a couple more responsibilities in the editorial room but long story short he gives me a, an assignment which is like very simple in retrospect just draw just change this pose to this pose and i spent like two hours doing it because i was like losing i was just like sweating bullets and like really needling down and uh he came in and was like you done? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting there. And he's like, oh, yeah, OK, well, finish that up and we're going to go upstairs. And, I, and like I kind of like read through the lines. He was like, you got to do faster than this. So like it was terrifying the first month there. And then like I finally got like you know, it was kind of art school over again, just like getting there and being like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. And then uh, having Have you ended fortune. up in this situation in other because, you know, you've supervising director, director, et cetera. Have you ended up in a situation in like all these like kind of different roles where you where you, your first day you're like scrambling to figure it just <laughs> figure it out because it sounds yeah. like a running theme in your life with giving yourself like a thesis and figuring it out on the spot <laughs> yeah this is uh this is good this is good uh a, a good description of who i am as a person which is do a lot of work that doesn't get you really to the place you need to be but oh, no. gives you some some semblance of like well, then, <laughs> leeway well, like if right? you recognize that like have you tried to i guess well maybe this is like a totally different topic but like if you recognize it it takes a lot of work to get that you're doing unnecessary work how do you like streamline that in the future uh so i think the answer is like so with the direction jobs and stuff like uh after this initial job like i i kind of like pretty quickly realized like the amount of work it takes to get to what i need like to to do my job essentially and the way that my brain works is like once it knows what is needed, it gets there. But mm. I don't I don't have a good idea of uh, how to project what will be needed. So right. once I am I basically I need the structure told to me and then I will fill the structure. It's just Got you. You know, I'm kind of like that, too, where I kind of just when I'm starting something new, I just kind of like do what I think is fun and personally interesting, mm -hmm. regardless if it has payoff. And then yeah. like I'll just like run my reels wheels for like, I don't know, a huge amount of time uh and then when i'm when i'm like uh feeling pressure i'll be i'll just like cut everything except for like the stuff that like is gonna get me get me to the next level if that makes sense yeah <laughs> like makes... i was at, like at one yeah. of my old jobs in in my business world like i was a marketing manager but i was just like running all these programs and then like when it mm -hmm. came down to like the end of the year it was like what was actually profitable and i was like oh shit i've been doing all these things and like they're not doing anything for the business so let's just instantly cut all these projects and just focus on like the profitability stuff and then it was smooth yeah. sailing from there <laughs> yeah i think that i think there's a lot of there's there's at least some value in like 
doing a thing because you're just like, I don't know, I just believe this is what I want to do and what is valuable to me. Uh, yeah. I think that it's harder to see it in the short term, but in the long term, it gives you an, an abundance of things with which to work with as opposed to, you know, being. So then talk me own. through like becoming a director on like a couple of shows, because like starting as a storyboard revisionist at the bottom and then directing like that's a that's like a long a lot of people are trying to get there. Uh, but there's like so many steps and like gatekeeping in between, et cetera, et cetera. So like, how, how have you managed to do that multiple times? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I can't, can't really stress how, you know, being like looking literally like the people that run the shows probably helped a lot. You know, it's, it's the white privilege thing. Like that's part of it. Like I, I'm a straight white man. So I look like all the people running the shows. It's an unfortunate reality of the situation. Uh, and I think like, Lisbeth, when I was younger with less experience, uh, it's kind of like, oh, they're just like seeing themselves in me, you know, but that that said, um, I was fortunate enough to to have some like real like kindred spirits creatively that the first time I really ever had that was with Thundercats with Victor Courtright. Um, I felt like as soon as I saw the stuff that he was making, like he, he showed us an animatic, like he bought the whole first episode himself. The guy's a maniac. So good. And I was just like, wow, this is like what I want cartoons to be essentially like, I just felt like it's like that, you know, you have like a few moments in your life where you're like, wow, that's like, this is just like what I, I believe cartoons, like how I want to see myself in cartoons. So I think like with Thundercats, like, because I jived so hard with the way Victor was making cartoons, uh, it was kind of like trying to like absorb as much of that as I could and also like put my own spin on it. I think that Victor and I had very similar, have very similar like, cartoon comedic sensibilities that we differ in a lot of different ways so it's like i had the luck of working with somebody who was show running who had the ability to like um to raise me up if that opportunity arose you know arose so i was boarding on thundercats initially and then uh, a director position opened up and victor tapped me to do it and uh i hadn't done it before it was but it uh, i think in animation one thing to keep in mind for people trying to break in is that there, there is never any one way to do things or to get to a position because every single production is so different and like reliant on how the showrunner or production people design it. So for Thundercats, it was very like, get that cartoon into editorial as fast as possible. We're going to get through boards quick and then we're going to pop it into editorial and the directors are going to be responsible for cutting and timing uh, 11 minutes really fast. Uh, and the point of that was basically just to like, to make sure that the humor stayed in the cartoon. Um, because if you, if you if you do a thing in a, in a board for too long, in my experience, uh, executives have, have a very hard time reading a storyboard and some of them just are not good at it or just bad at their jobs. So you'll lose jokes and like things that are interesting because they're like, um, I didn't really understand this part. And then like you spend like you end up ripping out things that are funny to put in things yeah. that are just like spoon feeding them logic. Um, so anyway, like that job <laughs> is just kind of like a crazy specific pipeline that like didn't require. Um, uh like experience because like nobody would have had the experience to do it anyway if they'd worked in the industry for like 20 years so um i had the i was young enough to have the energy to stay up till three in the morning cutting things you know wow and like nobody's I, at, like looking back would you do that or i don't know if you're still doing that would you oh absolutely that? not absolutely not absolutely not but i was so if very... absolutely not then how would you be in that situation where you're like learning an insane amount uh directing like how would you if if, if you're already saying no like how do you get in that situation that would make you to say no in the first place i guess like do you think things would have come together if you had put like a hard no on things like working late and whatnot i think 
I think so. There's the, there's kind of two sides of this coin. Like I see what you're saying. Cause um, like, there's a fear of like, it's not going to happen if you say no. And then yes. it's better that it happens. And you said yes and killed yourself for it. Here's, here's what I'll say. Uh, I, I think like it's easy to fall into like kind of didactic thinking with animation where it's like, if, if this, then this, but, um, so my storyboard partner on Thundercats was up for the same director position. Um, and she didn't take it. And she now, and she has since, since then been working on all kinds of interesting stuff um and has a you know i think her own short going somewhere so it's like it's like it's, it's a sliding doors moment where you're like you know it, it might be just a different kind of interesting you know gotcha. rather than specific so it's, like it's, I, the right, I, it's, it's the right opportunity for you in the right moment i guess yeah i think i i so I, I think of it like that like if i was older i i just wouldn't have the energy to do it i was like right. 28 at the time and i i could do it. and i was also very hungry like i was extremely insecure which the animation industry kind of preys on and yes. like relies on for a lot of things like that yeah so i was like very insecure i was like i will do anything to prove myself uh right. i also like loved the cartoon i loved what we were making so like if it was something i i didn't like like creatively i just like physically wouldn't be able to do it like i just my brain doesn't work that way it kind of like uh i've heard bono i think it was bono good god i don't even listen to youtube but like he said like if i if i don't feel it i can't hit the notes i think about that a lot or like it's kind of how i operate too like it's yeah it's kind of how it works but yeah so it just it, uh, opportunities are are fine uh, i think i would impress upon people to to take care of yourself because i also did really push myself to a limit on that show that was kind of unhealthy so uh, i think there's a, a like we've a all been there. yeah i think like, it, it I, sounds I, like uh the show needed somebody who was like young and eager and like wanted their directing chops to like get in there to make it happen i guess or you were also just running your running the mill, just doing everything when you when you didn't have the structure figured out yet. Who knows? I guess yeah, okay, I, I, so... I didn't know it. I didn't know enough about enough about animation yet to really know how to say no. Uh, we had other directors who were who would push back more than I would. I just I truly didn't understand. Like I was very naive. I I was I did not understand like that you I, being part of the union too out here. Like I did not understand you could just be like this is these are literally hours we should not be working and they couldn't yeah. be like, you're fired. They'd have to be like, oh, we'll figure it out, you know? It's part of like this unspoken game where like executives know all the rules and like people like artists entering don't know all the rules. And so executives yes. just like push back whatever they can and then they get way more than they're supposed to because people just don't know. And then when you, at least from my experience, and then when you yeah. figure out like, wait a, wait a minute, this is negotiation and I could push back too. Yeah. And you start getting more because you're playing this game now and it's just like, yeah. you're out of your own head. It's like business is business is business. Yeah, um, it's very valuable. It's very valuable to learn how to say no. And uh, I learned way too late how to say it. I've, I've done more creatively fulfilling when I've learned, when I've been saying no and turning stuff down professionally and focusing more on like what interests me than I ever did by like pushing myself interest in a professional setting. That's what so I'll you say. feel better about uh creative being creatively fulfilled in your career now when you say no to things that don't feel right rather than just yes. saying yes to like whatever cool yeah that's also like a really good position to be in i'm i'm wondering since you've directed you you know you've directed some other things uh for the level of career you're at like um is there a lot of like going back to like will you be a storyboard artist in the next thing or is it like once you're a director you're kind of like in this like club of uh, directors or like supervisors that people like kind of draw from now that you have that experience or is it more like you take an opportunity when it comes up and then you go back to these other roles that you had before in between uh, yeah I was a little more opportunity based when I was younger and uh I found it kind of relays on it like kind of relies upon who you're working with so like when I'm working with Victor 
because we kind of have a shorthand that works between the two of us and we kind of understand what each other wants. Like Victor tends to hire me for like more director to hire positions. Makes sense. Um, and I, I think the same would go for me and some other people I've worked with. If I ever ran a show, I wouldn't be like, hey, you want to do boards? I'd be like, no, you definitely need to direct because you kind of understand each other. So it's kind of depending on who the show, what your relationship with the showrunners is. Shows where I'm like, I've gotten jobs just because like I needed the work. I've done, you know, I've gone back to boarding. Uh, I've done like some freelance like punch up stuff here and there. Like uh, it's been more reliant on me on um, kind of project based too. So I, I, there was an opportunity I had to work at WB as a director to stay on as a director after Thundercats or to go somewhere else entirely. I'll go to Netflix or I guess Titmouse and work on Arlo, the feature for Netflix as a board artist, which is like a pay decrease and also like less prestige or whatever but like i didn't want to work on the wb project because it just sounded awful but the other projects seemed to like i hadn't worked in this feature before i was like oh feature sounds interesting i'll i'll give it a shot uh, and do boards and i did and that was fine like i don't regret that at all like oh nice uh it, i think it's if you have the privilege to say to say no to something based on a creative desire you should do that um but also like since the industry has kind of constricted like now i'm in a position where like i'm working on a show now that is a little like kind of outside of my um like uh creative and like humor um not comfort zone but like what i what i would be interested in necessarily but like i need i need to pay the rent now so it's like i'm boarding to pay the rent so it, gotcha. it really is it's if you have if you're in a period where it's like oh things are going great there's a lot of jobs available absolutely choose what you want to do but if you, you know it's like anything else any other job if it's just a matter of putting food on the table take what you can get makes sense i had ryan crego on this podcast by the way uh oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Arlo. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, shout that's out another. To Ryan. He was the he was the first one to give me a job in this industry, so I'm I'm forever indebted to him. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, you have to. Next time he does a feature, you have to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, as post COVID, etc., like you know, work from home and and like competition from Canada and like other countries now too. Is there a lot less work? going around in LA like I know you're in the hub of like where the big networks are Netflix Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon etc cetera, etc cetera. but like more and more like even like there are studios in Canada who are now like because it's much more profitable to have your own IP and to make it all yourself there's studios in Canada like slowly grasping more share of like the streaming services uh they're they're who they're getting their IPs from so is there less work in LA like do you see yourself like sticking through LA consistently now that you you said you have to pay the bills or is it like no worries like it's still going to be fine here I don't know definitely less uh to put it succinctly like <clears throat> I think more than more than stuff moving to like other countries has been just like the general uh streaming like consolidation that's been happening for the past two years has affected all entertainment not just animation but animation is like the bastard child of of entertainment the way that it's treated so like if things are going poorly for movies they're really going bad for animation it's always kind of like right uh you know uh even though everybody watches animation and like it, it has such a huge cultural impact the way that executives treat it is it is it is like they treat it like it's a juvenile profession which allows them to to do a lot of things they couldn't do to like you know uh industry that employs time crews for example like it's just there's not like the same clout here to, to kind of push yeah. back. So I think like the thing about LA that is nice is that uh, the union here is entrenched and like 
though it is trying to expand to national coverage for animation workers, it's just going to be a longer process. So as, as of like right now, it's better to be in LA gotcha. um, just for worker protections. And like, it's kind of just like an inertia thing. It's been here for so long that like, I think it'll be a, a longer process of it fanning out to other countries. That being said, like uh, I know myself uh, and other people are like openly like, yeah, like I don't, I'm not like attached to LA in the way that like if, if it became possible to like move somewhere else and like animate, even if it's just like working from home and just like moving somewhere more affordable and doing it remotely. Like, I think I'm totally open to do that. Like, I don't see myself as like a lifetime LAer for that reason. It's extremely expensive. And as much as I like having the community of people close by, it's like at a certain point, like that, that rent matters, you know, it really starts to, to squeeze you out. So um, I haven't really seen like, overseas taking jobs taking jobs away from people here as much as i've seen the the greed of corporations and their like absolute like reactivity to everything and being like followers being the bigger issue like i was on a show that was uh, last thing i was on was a feature that was in production for like nine months it's half and basically halfway done and that was when uh Zaslav was just like we're gonna be writing stuff up for taxes all of a sudden uh and then what we've all realized now is that maybe our entire industry is being redesigned to be a tax write-off for corporations because they do not seem to care if it comes out. Uh, I think WB just tried this with like a Wiley Coyote movie. They tried to just like make the movie fully and then never show it to anybody and be like, yeah. well, we're writing it up for taxes. And there was a backlash. They ended up like putting it out. But like, it is so weirdly common now for a studio to be like, we made a whole thing. We spent all the money, all the effort, and we're just never going to show it to anybody. And we're going to write it off. As, like, I don't even know what the, the tax write-off is, but I know that's what they're doing because they say it out loud. So I really can't tell you like. Well, then they can just limit what profit and income and blah, blah, blah they have. So, yeah. I mean, like come to Canada, all animation is is tax credits here. That's, that's yeah. how it's substituted. So that's like maybe to answer your question. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely being turned into Canadian animation. And like, that's the only, I mean, but it's like. Way uh it's like we're not doing the write-offs we're like because the government subsidizes like studios to hire animators specifically okay. and to like the, the the government gives money to like animation products so like that's <clears throat> that's why we have such a big industry here because the government yeah. is is subsidizing a large part of it a lot of studios won't even hire you if you don't have your canadian citizenship if you're like here okay. so like students uh sometimes have a hard time finding work because like a lot of requirements for different studios are like you, you have to be a Canadian citizen so they can like write you off as a credit and and receive yeah. like the the subsidy from the government, et cetera. So yeah. I don't know. It sucks because like there's so much animation being produced and like there's no I don't know. It's it's like it, it's like I don't hear any good news anyway. About yeah. It. I think that's part of the, it's part of like a, it's a badge of misery in animation. It's just like, I never hear good news. I'm just trying to survive or run this. No, and out. it's like, as soon as anybody tries to do anything like creative, it's a struggle. It's like a struggle mm -hmm. to get funding. It's a struggle to get shown. It's a struggle the whole way through. Like, uh, rarely I've heard somebody being like, oh, it was a breeze. I got paid well. Everybody on the project yeah. got paid well. Uh, blah, blah. No, no, no. It's yeah. the exact opposite. Yeah. You got to come out like, of like when you fight, then you're seen as like this asshole kind of. Yeah. And then like people don't want to work with you. And you're like, I just want to live and get groceries. Yeah. yeah, seriously. I mean, that's that's extremely well put. I get nothing to add to that. OK, another question I had for you is I guess you kind of covered this, but do you do you feel like you've pigeonholed yourself into like kind of a, a, a certain style of animation that you can work on? But I guess not, because like behind the scenes, you, you know, you worked on Arlo, which is like a different style than Thundercats. I guess it's kind of similar. Mm -hmm. But like 
say you're looking for work and like the Simpsons comes up and you're like, uh, would you think you'd be able to get a storyboarding job or a directing job on the Simpsons based on your portfolio? Or have you gone too far into like this very cutesy, uh, wiggly, wobbly, silly style, I guess? Yeah, I think I, I think I definitely have a, a hard ball to break through if I'm ever interested in like adult animation or like King of the Hill yeah. type stuff which like i personally love king the hill simpsons like earlier right. animation i think it's great but it's the, it's also not really my style so like i wouldn't even know how to really board for it in a way that like because they're they're so efficient efficiency focused and like kind of economy and movement is like what their humor style is and like I, i've trained myself to be more interested in animation so it's kind of naturally guided me towards kids ish you know kind of yeah. thing but I, i've done i've done a couple like adult-ish shorts for um if you've heard of a studio digital they're doing like yeah i saw your shorts. spider your spider one yeah like those those aren't like you know they're nothing crazy blue but they're not like for kids necessarily yeah. so i think i think one thing i'm interested in like is i move on to making more stuff on my own is to just kind of be like animation doesn't have to be so segregated between adult and kids like the style of adult in america seems to be like draw it bad otherwise adults won't think it's cool which is really weird yes it's um, so strange like loudmouth yeah. is like is, wait is it called loudmouth it's uh, i think I, so yeah i'm like i'm like it's that show about sex big mouth that's big it. mouth why yeah, am i thinking yeah, about yeah. that because you said loud house earlier yeah big mouth just... like the designs are so jarring to me like i've i've watched it but it's like so so jarring <laughs> yeah it's like there, there's like a, a a thing about like making it so like as long as it moves, you know, it's like, yeah. there's no understanding of like, I, I feel like Family Guy kind of kicked this off or it's just like, it doesn't really matter how it moves. It doesn't matter the art of the animation. It's just like, we need the words to link up with visuals. And that's yeah, it's like about, watching, you know? a, watching a radio show or something, I guess, which yeah. is like what animation kind of is. But like, yeah. it's all that you're right. All the adult shows are kind of the same, like Rick and Morty, like Crapopolis, that kind of like everything is, yeah. they've all got like very similar looking like, characters all the movement is the same it's very rare actually i just watched scavengers rain and that's like an adult animation and that's like a completely different style and it was amazing i'm sure it's yeah expensive as as all get out but um okay so uh i guess one last question on the career thing so i want to talk about your short film too <clears throat> like when you're finished a project how much are you uh like out there looking for a new job like on board applications or like just being in LA like through the network you hear about something or like you're called like people are like hey we, hey are you done that other project yet we want you to come work here like because like being in like a animator in Toronto uh like I'm a freelancer working on video games and stuff like that like uh a lot of what I get is from word of mouth but also like I'm I'm like looking at job boards and stuff because like yeah. like it's I'm just wondering how it is in LA uh, so for me, uh, I've, I've only gotten one job through like job board and that was my first job. Hey, hey, great. Uh, super, super weird. <laughs> like I know all the stuff I said, throw it out the window. Uh, so, uh, it was like an anomaly. So like I, I, I had tested for six things moving out here, six or seven, didn't get any of them. Those, those were all through people who had been like, Hey, give this person a chance. Uh, and then the one job I did get, I just randomly applied on like LinkedIn or whatever. And a DreamWorks recruiter had like hold that application and like kept it in like a big pool of like potential in the future is whatever. So that's the only one that I can say, like, mm -hmm. I guess if you're starting out, like just sp spray as much of your, yeah. you know, portfolio out there as you can, because you never know who's like, who, and I think the person that like that found my portfolio was like a pretty like 
low on the totem pole like talent recruiter it just like they happened to to somehow kick it up whatever it happened and that was how it happened there but ever since then it's all been like through connections i've made on shows people being like hey i know i heard you rolling off on this show um gotcha we got some so like once you're show. in you're kind of like you've been in this like bubble of just work going around makes sense yeah and that being said like uh when every when the industry constricted really hard like a year ago i was out of work for like 12 months as far as like studio work was concerned like i had no full-time job for like 12 months i was doing freelance here and there picking it up um, and i was applying jobs like crazy but one thing i understand about working in la i think people should understand as disheartening as it is is that when a storyboarding position is posted or a directing position is posted online it's most likely already been filled they just have to do it legally yeah, a lot of so, places are like that. They've already found somebody, but they have to post anyway. So like you don't even have a shot. Yeah. If it's appearing online, you don't even have a shot. <laughs> yeah. So I I think that you're you're actually wasting your energy by you know, I was spending I was I was spending like three hours writing, you know, different cover letters slash changing resumes around, but I think you're wasting your energy. I think what you should be doing if you're trying to break in is like either making your own shorts or like making your own art and posting it and like making it known that you're available for work through your social media. Because that actually has like people like well, uh, I'll see a thing and I'll like bookmark an artist I like that I've seen like hey if I ever like need an artist I'll see if they're still available that kind of thing like have you been I hired through think, social media from stuff you've posted yeah yeah I've gotten people I've had people reach out and say like I saw you're looking for work are you interested in this thing or you know oh, so you've posted like hey I'm looking for work and then people will be like hey here's a job yeah I've gotten that and that's usually like a friend of mine knows like oh I know you're looking for work like hey cool gotcha. uh, so like uh, somebody even, already that knows you in your in your in your like rolodex or whatever and yeah. they're looking for opportunities they just didn't know that you were looking for work and they're like oh he's looking for work I, perfect yeah. in some cases like in other cases i've made completely new connections somebody being like hey i saw your thing i don't know you but like would you ever be interested in doing this and like whether i turn it down or take it like it does happen like i think social media is like the new resume which is depressing in, in some way but like whatever it's got to be functional it's not like a good thing that we have it might as well use it to your advantage <laughs> Hey, if the algorithms are going to screw us over, at least we can get some jobs from it. Um, yeah. Okay. I want to ask you about your, your like personal work because like, I love it. It's amazing. And I like, like I watch animation like every day and like I'm on Instagram, on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. I'm like watching artists. And like, for me, like you are one of the few examples of somebody who's doing something like very unique and interesting with movement right now, if that makes sense. Like, especially in like 2D, uh, like for instance, like Greg's house, like your recent short film that I've watched uh, uh too many times um like i feel like you don't want to do walk cycles or something you're just gonna like you're, you're like figuring out how to get like character a or character from like spot a to b like in the most interesting and weird unexpected ways possible mm -hmm. um like and just like every character that's introduced or like whatnot is just done in like when this like uncle naughty comes out of his out of his like little hole in the in the wall yeah. he like has this whole like moment where you're just watching him stumble over himself instead of like you know conventional animation which is like open door walk out maybe say something but you're like yeah. no no i'm gonna have his his arm twist and turn like i don't so just <laughs> yeah can you like i just want to know what's like going through your mind with how you're exploring movement and animation that you know you don't at least i don't see other people doing yeah uh so i, I think about it like it's more just first of all it's more just like what i can, like what makes it interesting to me that I'll do the amount of work it takes to do it. So it's more just like, does this tickle me or not? Otherwise, like, why would I do it? I wouldn't do all this work for just like, you know, a thing I do at my job, which is just like doing efficient things to get from point A to point B. So that's right. the first part of it. The second part of it is like, 
I think in animation, what gets kind of lost is that the way you make a character move tells as much about the story in the world as like the words that are being spoken do. Um, I don't personally think that words matter all that much in animation. Uh, I think that they are kind of like a color, you know, they're not really like what's keeping you there. They're also not what's driving the story. What's driving the story is how you move characters. That's your actual language of the of the piece. That's I interesting that... to me because like uh, conventional animation and like how animation is taught is like the sound and words are like 50% of the story. And like, especially with adult animation, like you don't even need to, like sometimes I'll just put on like an adult animation show like Big Mouth and I'll just work and I won't even watch it. I don't, I won't even look at it. I'll just listen yeah. to the whole thing. Or yeah, like Bojack Bo Bo Horseman, on... for instance, like I listened to that whole thing. I didn't even watch it. It was, I, yeah. I, it all communicated perfectly. I think it's fine. I think it's totally fine. Like I, I, what they're doing i just think like what i want to do with my stuff is i just yeah. want it to be animation i want like animation is what i care about so i don't want it to be like a, a throwaway thing that it's animated like I, I i think about like when i'm making something like could this be anything else like could this be a different medium like live action could this be whatever like and if it's if the answer is yes then why am i doing this in animation yeah. uh and i think like bojack horseman like would be more interesting as a live action show i think if it was like a guy with a big horse head that was practical like with other weird characters it'd be more interesting than like a cartoon that is like it's it's fine like i i didn't i watched it and i like didn't mind it but it's the same thing like if i if i would listen to it without looking at it once i would have been just you know just yeah, as, like why is this character a cat do they need to be a cat yeah, i would have enjoyed it just as much and like there's a couple jokes here where it's like oh they're doing cat things etc but like the movement is always kind of like rigid and I don't I don't like I think everybody who works in those are is very talented, but they're all being forced to do things in a very like product based way where it's like mm. make the toothpaste. We're here to make toothpaste. We're not here to like make art, you know. It's like I don't wanna when I'm making my own stuff, like I do not want to be making a thing that's just a product to get from point A to point B. Like I want it to be a thing that is, you know, is art, I guess. So like so for instance with like Greg's house, uh like, you know, there's a difference between like uh, how am I going to say this? I don't know if you've seen the Brave Locomotive. It's a short that just came out on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Anyways, it got like 7 million views within like the first couple of weeks. Like it's like this, it's like an ode to Disney. It's like beautifully animated, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then there's a like Greg house and like, there's a different level of success, I guess, with these two yeah. things, because like, you know, Greg's house doesn't have 7 million views. I wish it did. It's going to get <laughs> yeah. 7 million views just from me. But like, and, and you also mentioned, you know, when you're working, you're, you're making toothpaste. But when you're creating your own art, like what is the like other than art for art's sake, like what is the success criteria or like the goal you're trying to go towards? Like, are you trying to like, I don't know, just have fun or like because you're still because like there's still professionalism of like something like Greg's house. Like you have like there's voice acting, there's sound design, there's like there's all the and it's of like a very high quality. It's not like, oh, he just went on like freesound.org and like picked out that yeah. same sound that everybody does. Uh, or like even the animation, like all the animations perfected, like your drawings are like meticulously, they look like they're beautiful, et cetera. So like, like, what is the, what are you trying to achieve other than like uh, storytelling through animation and what you just explained? Like, what is there like a goal or success in mind? I, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be like forcing you to have yeah, like yeah. an answer for this. I'm just curious for myself because like, I want to know what's motivating you to create these like super interesting and cool animations that I, I personally love. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I First of all, I appreciate all the kind words. It's very nice of you to say. Um, I also, just as a side note, I want to make a t-shirt for Greg's house and I want to say underneath like over 2,000 views because like it's like, it's like, <laughs> it hasn't moved off that since like the day it premiered, which is very funny to me. I love to tell people like, 
it's got over 2,000 views, which feels like an 80 year old man very proud that he posted something that got enough views on it. Um, I, I don't like, I don't view like, I, like it's nice when things get seen. Um, but I've also noticed that like I have absolutely no brain for knowing what's going to pop, you know, popular. Like I, I made one short. That's crazy that, because like, you've directed multiple shows at this point. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess people should know too is that nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Nobody has any idea what they're doing. Like nobody knows what's going to be good, especially the higher up people get, the less that they know what's going to like, stick with culture i think that's been true of entertainment since it's existed i think like it's a lie when somebody tells you they they know how to make something people will love uh it's nuts i i think that like people naturally like are just drawn to what they like and algorithms can't predict it beyond like a couple keywords i don't know i have i have a very like <laughs> i mean it makes sense like what people things. like is an accumulation of like their entire their childhood like nostalgia yeah. what they related to what they relate to now what they've already seen before what they happen to come across what they expect yeah. like uh, politics future like it's yeah. crazy everything like and like, and like and i just honestly, try to create things that i think are personally funny that i haven't seen out there before and I, it's like i pray that somebody like somebody out there sees it and likes it and then when it yeah. happens it feels magical and when it doesn't happen it feels like i feel like I feel like I've been like, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, unjustly punished somehow when, when I create something I put my heart into and I like yeah. show it and it doesn't hit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough in that way. But like, I think like, um, for me, like, I, I've had a hard time with like, the stuff that I've made that has gotten the most views is stuff that I'm the least proud of. Um, hmm. And it's not that I wasn't, I, di I didn't make it with like any goal to like gain views. It was just like, less, less of what I found it was more just like I had to make make them quicker and the, the quality was less the story was much more condensed and like what I wanted to say which just had to be you know, a lot of stuff had to be cut out of it uh it ended up being a little more superficial so that kind of struck people harder and I also like knowing my own viewing habits for like if I'm scrolling through reels or tiktoks like I'm also not spending more than five seconds on anything so it's like do I expect somebody else to like I'm getting mad at myself essentially for like why aren't you spending more time on this thing it's like no you're not on your phone to like consume art you're on your phone to like Get you through another horrible day on this planet where things are going to you know going to hell fast so i think like trying to bring <laughs> my expectations down <laughs> yeah yeah i think like when i've showed like when greg's house has been seen by people like in the wild or like when a friend of mine like sits down and watches it all from front to back and is like i really enjoyed that i'm like that is much more valuable valuable to me because it's also kind of what it was created for it's created for you to like when you want to watch something you can watch it it's not created for you to like it's not created to pull your attention away from anything else. Like that's not. Yeah, it's not like mind. you're scrolling on TikTok and you see Greg's house come up and you like stop yeah. and watch. Like it's not like a like an algorithm. I don't know. But yeah, it's too. It's too gets... slow. It's too slow. It's too like kind of non-specific. Like it just it I, it wasn't made for that. And like part of it's like self-protection to be like it wasn't made for big views. Like of course I'd love if it had a lot of views, but I think like uh, I the process taught me a lot about animation. Like it's always kind of working towards a larger goal, like making a longer thing. Yeah. Um, so like I, if, it, if I had just made Greg's house and like that was the only one I was ever going to make and it got its views and that was its only impact, I might be a little more sad, but like I'm going to make more. And like my, my goal is to just to kind of like build a natural kind of inertia to that, you know, where like maybe the next one will get a couple more views and like, people who've been waiting because there's been like one or two people who are like, when are you gonna make the next one? And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like somebody actually wants to see another one. Um, so like, it's kind of like, I'd rather have like that more like organic, small, like 
indie thing than having like a hit you know i think it's totally a, a thing that musicians run into too where they're like i hate my hits but i love this the the kind of like underground thing that like hit years later kind of thing you know it's like do you want to be have like a niche crowd that really like knows all the lyrics to your song or do you want to like play to a stadium where like half of them are like tickets bought by bots some of them are moms and dads bringing their kids you know like, they both have value but like it's more of what you want out of it and like I definitely want the small, like I'm a big replacements fan, if you know that band and like their, their thing is like the greatest band that never happened. Like they were just like a really good pop rock band that just like sabotaged themselves their whole career, but like are very good and have like a crazy underground following now, but will never be famous. Or like, do you want to be, you know, like the Rolling Stones? And like, I definitely lean more towards the replacements than the Rolling Stones. Yeah. I think it's what you ever you have energy before for because like it's it's extremely tough to do both to do like yeah. the, the the thing that's going to get popular and like I I feel that with my art too sometimes because like like my art is very niche but like the people who appreciate like stop motion and like fuzzy felt things know about it yeah. but like it's not going to hit like I don't know like TikTok famous or something but it's like yeah. in my mind I feel like I could make that thing that could be famous but I just don't want to, and I don't have yeah. the energy to, and I'm like, okay, yeah, like, okay, if I want to do like an ad, like, I don't know, make something extremely gory for the sake of like hitting on the 12 year old audience or something, or like do a Fortnite dance yeah. animation, like I could, but I don't <laughs> want to, and I wouldn't have the energy for it. So I'd rather yeah. just like twiddle away, getting, doing my like stupid little stuff that nobody's going to see. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but it's yeah, tough it's because funny. like, you know, even the even the band that has the popular hit that gets the millions of dollars it enables them to do more of the stuff that they they like want to do even though they have to do the other stuff so it's like i don't know i don't know <laughs> it's like which, which beast do you want the one that give, keeps you in constant financial insecurity or the one where like you're secure but like maybe feeling like i didn't quite get to do what i want to do because i have to like feed the beast of the audience so i think right. like what you kind of touched on like, I, like your stuff is so good and like so fun and like all i want to do is see that over i want to see like a, a 10 episode long series of those like that kind of stop motion it's so beautifully done and i think like I, what you're saying like i can see like if you did like for example a mario stop motion like that thing would pop off for 10 million views overnight no problem but like i run into the same issue where it's like yes you could do like a mario animation like short animation for tiktok just to get the views and then then you tell yourself like, okay, I'll do that to get the views and the followers and then I'll start making my own stuff and then they'll love it. But like, it's like, you're basically building yourself the first block of your prison cell if you do that, right? If you don't want to yeah. do it, you're you're laying the foundation for like trapping yourself. And I think like, I respect people who can make the, the stuff that's like more like fan uh, forward, fan focused. Like that's what they have the energy to do. That's what they love to do. Like all for it. That's like, there's an art to yeah, that. I'm kind of envious of those like, people because they automatically, they automatically enjoy this thing that, is like critically su successful yeah yeah it's like a, it's like, a, it's like yeah, it's i like, don't so what am i gonna yeah. do but it, it's like yeah. it's like if i do that then do i just like run the risk of, like i haven't done it because I, I have so many mental walls against going that path that i just don't want to but like why not like you only live once yeah. and like try it out maybe i'll like it maybe i can find joy in it and also like why not do one of those things for every 10 things that you like like, have you ever bought a, bought a CD? <laughs> sure have. But have you ever bought a CD where you like love the title song and then you listen to the rest? Yeah. And you're like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> but the band, yes, they enjoyed the same thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, I, I think we've all had those thoughts, especially like creating indie stuff. Like, okay, what if I just like make it more like a, a business where I'm like, I'm doing the thing that people will like to keep the lights on for the stuff that I want to make, which like is like kind of the most functional way to do it, I guess. But I do think that like what gives you the energy to make the thing that you make good is that yeah. you give that the energy, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's it's all theoretical in your mind. Like I could do this, but like I found with myself, like, I can theorize that like as much as I want to, I just don't have it in me to do it. Yeah. And well, this is not like, like you're always chasing the ball or whatever the expression yeah. is forever. Yeah, like, you're you always chasing, once, you're never going to catch it. But then like to do it again, you gotta, you gotta keep, you gotta keep doing. It. And then there's always like higher expectations. You get caught up in this, yeah. like, oh, here we are two people that have never done it talking about how terrible it is to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Who knows? They might, people might love it. I, I do think that like the, the one thing I can kind of like speak to more like objectively is like, um, like YouTubers and TikTok influencers who were once making a lot of money doing videos back when that was the thing that made more money are now like trying to break into tr traditional media more. They're like moving out to Hollywood and like trying to become actors or like yeah. in the case of the Paul Brothers, so boxers and just general shitheads. But like, you know, like people who were like, who were like, we're breaking the system. We're like, we found a new way to make money and like, we're going to make content like this are like still trying. There's their long-term goal is still to make traditional stuff. So essentially they're just they're just creating a different way to have like a portfolio essentially right like so i don't know if you saw that horror movie um with the the possessed hand what was it called oh god oh um i can't i, do I can't believe i'm blanking on it but uh it was like by two guys who like made their living on like youtube videos getting like yeah. crazy views for these like you know kind of like probably made for more like teenage boys ish but i saw the movie and the movie's very good but the thing is like that was clearly their goal was to like do YouTube so they could eventually do this thing, right? Do the traditional thing and like end up being pretty good. So I think like I don't know. There's like there's value in doing the thing that's more. Well, it's popular. like to do those traditional things, like the 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 club or whatever is small, and the yeah. jobs keep going to the same people. So it's like you have to find a new and different way to get the attention to do those things. And I yeah. feel like I feel like the the traditional uh mediums don't ever change like even like netflix like broke the system but now it's just cable like yeah you know, exactly like exactly like it, it it like lasts for a while and like yeah. you know the the <laughs> you, you mentioned this beginning the people uh like showing you stuff like what is that called the first movers they're the ones that like make the money and then the the like late movers or whatever where you're like oh that's like you're finally introduced it at the end you you're you're shit out of luck i guess <laughs> yeah yeah so it's like, like maybe... there's always like new ways of of entering but the yeah. the overall media is kind of traditionally say the same i mean yeah. i mean television and film is only what 100 years old really so yeah who can say but yeah you're right i don't know it's it's tough because like you know my my story is like i had a korean business and i like sacrificed all of that to like make cool stuff and the mm -hmm. moment i start doing that stuff again i'm like well why did i sacrifice this if i'm just getting back into it i just want to make cool stuff but then yeah. cool stuff doesn't yeah. always keep the lights on so yeah exactly it's hard it's hard to like it's i don't know it's tough it's, <laughs> it's hard i think like to you kind of like even despite as much as we think things change like essentially like we're in the same system of capitalization which is like yeah it's always it's, yeah the, the end goal is like we are we think we're doing something different unaware that we're all kind of in the same meat grinder right so like i think like if you did spend time like i'm gonna do zelda stop motion because that's gonna get me a million viewers uh you're 
your end goal just changes immediately. So you kind of are what you eat. And eventually what you're going to get offered later is going to be like, Hey, you want to make a Zelda movie out of this stop motion stuff, which like maybe by then would be cool to you, but you might also be like, that's the, that sounds awful to me. I can't imagine like then it becoming my Doing job. a whole movie like, of it. I'd be like, no, do a yeah. whole movie of my other cool stuff. And I'd be like, we don't want that. And you'll be yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of like, if, like, it's like a similar thing with people. Like if you're a certain way with people your whole life and then like, you're like, actually I'm a different person. Like, that's always been hard for me to do. And then you try to like change you art. Like it's an immediate disconnect. It's really weird. And like, I think the same thing happens with audiences too. If you like kind of show them something that you don't want or aren't actually, and then you try to like be something different. Like it really creates like this, like yeah. real hard. It's like uh, when an actor separation. or director like creates their own thing suddenly without the studio and you're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. And like, I, I think that's like the hardest part about creativity is like realizing that like, ultimately if you're not doing what it is that you want to do, like, the only person that's truly hurting is you, you know, like yeah. you can't really. Pay. I think that's a good, I've never really thought about it. Like, you know, capitalism, bad, et cetera. But like it, I never really thought about it as like, it's a system and it's not, the system isn't changing. And so like, you just have to figure yeah. out where you, where you want to be in that system and enjoy it. Like, you know, cause you could do the grind and do the thing that the system rewards, but then like you are just doing what somebody else would be doing anyways. Like there's somebody in my mind, there's like, there's always somebody who enjoys doing the thing the system wants more than me. And if I'm not enjoying yeah. it, I'm not going to get very far. So I, I should yeah. do the thing that I enjoy. Cause like, how do I say this? So I, I've been like, so I, I like dropped out of animation school in third year to, to like work on a TV show, which was amazing. But then since then I've just been pursuing like freelance. I've done like stop motion work for TV shows. I've done, I'm on my second video game now. And I'm like constantly thinking about like, how can I create something that is like not the traditional path in animation? Cause like, I don't really see myself working in a studio now that I've had all this other experience, but like, I don't want to grind on the freelance life forever. Cause I talked to like on this podcast, I talked to a lot of freelancers and I'm like, that doesn't really sound like it's for me. So my mind is like yeah. constantly being like, what is the, the there's gotta be something that's new and different that some, that people aren't pursuing that like fits me more and it's like, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but at the same time, it just like, I can't reinvent the wheel, even though I want to, to find something yeah. that like I'm creatively in control and having fun my yeah. whole life, but that doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. Is there like tough. a level of acceptance that like, you've come to do? Cause like you do a lot of creative, like on the side, like you do a lot of animation on the side to a, yeah. a very high level, but you're also working professionally. So like for you, like, what is that balance? Uh, I think this, the, the thing that I hadn't thought about really till right now is that like as much as I think of my life as changing since I left Cleveland where I was working just an office job not animation related and doing stuff on the side the only thing that's changed is my office job is now a job that requires me to also draw so now I'm more tired at night to draw you know oh, I mean? no. like, <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird full full circle thing where like you kind of realize that like you are part of the machine like because I, I think when I was younger I was like oh man once I get into animation like it was so vague. I was like, then I'm going to like, I don't know, have my own show and then I'll have the clout to make only what I want to make. That's the like, that is everybody that gets an animation. It is. But has it happened for one of us? It happened, <laughs> I mean, but like, it happens like, but so for instance, like Adventure Time, like Pendleton Ward, like, mm -hmm. well, even he quit the show. So like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like he quit the show. And now I think he's also, he might be reattached now to like the, the reboots. They're kind of in like the spinoffs. Yeah, yeah, so he's kind of like uh, Fiona and, and cake. He's attached. Yeah, and, like, I don't want to speak to somebody else did. and say, I remember like following his blog. Uh, actually he's, he, I personally emailed him and he responded to me and encouraged me to like 
put together my pitch Bible and stuff, which is crazy. Um, in 2017, I think. But anyways, I remember like following his blog, like Bueno the Bear was his like website or whatever. And he went from like working on Adventure Time to like just sitting in his, I don't know if I'm mixing up the story, but like sitting in his in his basement, just coming up with like silly little ideas for video games. Like I remember he had this like video game about like babies crawling around or something. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, hey, this sounds amazing. He's just like drawing stuff that's not happy. It never came to fruition. But B, the, yeah. like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think like that's kind of where like the luck and just like right place, right time stuff kind of pops in. Like, I think like if you're somebody who like right now is like always been like an indie game person who's like, I just want to make like my own weird game that I like the world makes sense in my head. Like I, I can do all the stuff myself. And like, I just I have like this vision for it. If you did it right now, I think like, and you put it out, I think you could make like a good amount of money to the way that you can kind of like set your own like life path the way you want yeah. it to be. Cause that's kind of where that money lives. And that's like where you could like, it's where the gold rush kind of exists, you know? So I think like, that's, that's kind of what you have to like, you either, you're either lucky enough to be in that moment or you're kind of outside of it. And like, I'm yeah. aware that I'm outside of that. Like animation has never really been that, but like, you know, kind of like, previously like it had its moments where like people we we always hear like tales of animators in like the 90s and 80s like yeah they had corvettes and they had like a couple houses they were like making a lot of money they were like kind of like rock stars they would like do drugs and stuff it was more like hollywood and it's like what are you talking about we're all like now everybody's like tired they go home and like fall asleep they're just trying to like you know make it to the day like we feel like we're like <laughs> going to work and just like at, like an assembly line it feels that kind of drudgery at this moment um but so i think like they, that was like a moment where maybe you could have like kind of like done one thing and then that would have set you up for like at least yeah. having like you know the financial yeah. stability you needed so but there's I think so like, few people like to be one of those people you'd have to like win the lottery of like exactly you know, it's a, the right place right time right parents right education right connect yeah. like like when you think it's about all the great like nine old men or whatever it's not like they were from around the world they were all yeah. like yeah. a very specific part of the states <laughs> yeah yeah, you so, know, you're even, how much even like you mentioned like, video yeah. games, there's money now. Yeah, there's money if you want to make your own indie video game. But like I'm in video games and I see the amount of it. What was it? There's like 2000 games published on Steam every day or something. That's crazy. It's, it's already starting. It's already starting to get yeah, smaller, it's already going down wild. and down yeah. and down. So like to stand out, you have to like do a crazy amount. And like studios are like uh, coming up with games like all over the place. Like if you go to the app store, like yeah. it's insane. So yeah. it's like, I don't know what the next thing is going to be like VR or something, but like, I don't know, it's tough. And yeah, yeah it's tough. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I know that my only, I, I keep coming back to the same thing, which is like, what is a timeless way to make a living doing this, which at least like to make it work. And I think it's just like, don't be greedy, which is like, number one, like, I don't want to, I don't want a big house. I don't want anything more than I need to like survive on this planet. Um, that's all I care about materialistically. I mean, speaking. personally, I would like more. I would like an island. I would yeah, love that's a great. yacht. Like, <laughs> but I think like what kind of what you what you like for me, what I've decided I need in this world is kind of like helped me like take a breath and like determine what I'm willing to pursue. And, you know, with my modest desires on this yeah. world, it's like I can see myself like, yeah, just kind of focusing on making greg's house animation type stuff where i just like i mean i, I mean that that's yeah. like a level of acceptance that makes sense and and like you'll it'll prove to like do well for you your whole life essentially um yeah. for me like like i'm still trying to figure out that acceptance because like how do i say this um there's still this like lofty hope somehow that like you know when you look at picasso or like andy warhol like you know they were just doing their thing and they hit something and then yeah the whole world changes around them basically and like obviously i don't think that's ever gonna happen to me but i have this like hope that 
I'm going to create this thing that is like uh, cool enough that enough people like it, then then I'll have my own show or yeah. uh, then I'll be like, you know, I don't know. I'll have like people coming to me and saying, like, I want this thing. Like, I don't know what that is, but I still have this like hope that I'm going to like revitalize stop motion in a cool way uh, and be influential somehow, even though I'm not like I don't I haven't even animated anything in stop motion in public. Well, it's publicly available. But like mm. Silly Duck Wizard was my last like project that I did. And that was 2019. So it's like five years yeah. ago already. So I don't know. Yeah. There's like a lot of like hope that's like driving me personally. That's not paying off at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand that that hope, that hope, like the hope that springs eternal in you that like, even as I'm saying, like, I've kind of like tampered my expectations for my life. There is absolutely still part of me. It's like that 10% delusional you have to have to be an artist. That's like, <laughs> yeah. But one day, you know, it's like that, but one day thing. And like, it, I think that is necessary to keep you going because if it was gone, like, it's not enough to just be like, I accept, you know? <laughs> but even like, so. you know, you mentioned the office job. Like I had an office job before and like, it was less stress, less hours, more money, more stability, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, I'm doing the same stuff now. It's just the, it's just like my brain is turning in a different way, I guess. Like I'm drawing yeah. every day versus like, you know, doing business proposals and marketing plans and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like, sometimes I think like, I would love to do more of my own personal work. So why not just take the office job again and then put my money yeah. towards personal work? But also I remember that life where I was working nine to five and I just didn't have a, like, I dreamed about doing the other thing full time and, and making a bigger impact. So like, at least for me now, I still think at least I'm, even though I'm not ending on my own stuff right now, I'm still enjoying it. I still love it. I'm still like putting my personality and heart into it. But in my mind, I'm like, at least this is more along the path of like me doing something with my time creatively versus like not being a part of it at all. And it's still like, at least it's, I'm on some sort of path right now. It's like, yeah. if if this was like just income and professionalism and work, and this was like, creative dreams i'm like somewhere like closer to creative dreams versus like you know just business yeah. or whatever so like even though yeah. i've switched lives and it's I'm still just working every day more stress less blah 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 yeah at least i'm closer to that thing that like i only have one life before i die or retire whatever comes first <laughs> yeah no, i i i vibe with that that deeply that like kind of fantasizing about your old life or just like a different life where you're like oh what if my job i just didn't think about it. i didn't care i guess i came yeah. home and it was like my brain was like that's it i'm done with that until tomorrow like i still get that a lot but i think like whatever's human back nature more, grass is always greener we always like it want is a thing we don't have um, but i do like, think does, that like does elon musk have that like probably yeah he wanted <laughs> twitter who knows <laughs> who knows that man uh but i think like for me like what i'm thinking of now more recently is just like well, if I'm in the creative field, like I have literally seen more doors open for opportunities for things I'd actually want to do while working in it than when I wasn't. So it's yeah, like, that makes sense. If at least like if I, if I, both of them are a grind, the office job or the creative job are both a grind. And if one of the grinds gets me closer, like you were saying to like, maybe that ultimate, like grand broad dream, then, you know, stick with that. And like, I also like find it helpful to be like, Hey, I don't want to, if I'm thinking back to two years ago, what I was thinking my life would be like, I don't, it wasn't this, you know, it wasn't where I'm at now. And like, not in a bad way, just like I have, you can't predict the future. So yeah. as much as like this job kind of requires you to like always think ahead, you know, that future is always changing and moving. So thinking about the future, you know, you have directed, you've done uh, uh Terry acclaimed short film. <laughs> <laughs> Films, uh, 
what is like what is that thing that you want to work towards or that like you are working towards actively uh so i think like the <clears throat> pie in the sky thing is like to make my own animated film i'm talking like 90 minutes wow get that thing, get that thing big and big and there's chunky, only a couple but... people have ever done that i know and i'm not going to probably be one of them but i want to be uh yeah i think like that's like the that's the goal is like i want to make i want to make a thing that is largely independent um that is you know the goal is to make the animation like the star as opposed to like i don't want to make like a pixar movie for movie for example where it's like you know they have a formula and they like stick to it and it's like you know it's very much like <clears throat> you know it's a house style right uh i i like I like the the kind of Japanese style of animation movie where it's just kind of like, what a cool thing this is. Let's explore it for a while yeah. and then we're done. You know that kind of uh, thing. Yeah. I think uh, I think like I, I'm pretty tired of like working in American animation. I'm pretty tired of seeing that everything is the same formula pretty much to a T with every you know every story told. Yeah, I was just having this conversation recently actually. Like w American animation is so formulaic. Like, and it doesn't seem like anime has had much influence. I mean, some for sure influence, but like when you watch an anime versus like an American yeah. cartoon, night and day, like totally different. And there's so much, there's, there's a huge industry pumping out, like, you know, anime explores so much cool art yeah. and ideas that, and like American TV is like, what is a problem this character is going to solve in their life yeah. right now? Yeah, yeah. It really, it, it's <laughs> and so everything like... has to logically make sense. Oh, this happened? Why? Yeah. And let's deconstruct it. And what's the lesson learned? And anime will just be like, I don't know. Here's a Punch silly joke guy. for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like One Punch Man exists and it's so effective. Uh, and there's just no way you'd make that in American animation because they'd be like, well, what is his relationship with his dad like every episode? Like, who cares? Like, that's not the yeah. point. I think like, I think like that's that's kind of like, I see that happening with people like making stuff now that um, they have a little more free time kind of forced by industry, but like there's a positive twist, which is I see a lot of people like kind of getting into their own bag. Like what weird world do I want to explore now that I have all these free hours all of a sudden? Like, I think that I, I hope that the one good thing that will come out of this whole like industry consolidation, like re reorganization is that like all the indie people who are now having time to make stuff will kind of, uh, either make their own indie kind of pipeline that doesn't exist at all here yet, or we'll just like kind of force the change in the studios uh, that we kind of want to see. Yeah. Maybe this is, maybe this is how it happens, you know, uh, big, big money, uninvests, pulls back. Artists are like, fine, I'm going to do my own thing. Finally, a huge yeah. resurgence of arts. People start consuming that art. And then the big studios go, wait, a, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people watching stuff that we didn't make. Yeah, I, I think that that's artists. That's something that kind of like uh, make, gives me hope is that studios have never ever been at the vanguard of making cool stuff. It's no. always somebody makes it on their own. It gets big, and they're like, "Oh, I want that." They're just like big eat. They eat things. They're just like they eat things. They see. There's no like they're like well, crocodiles. It's, just, it's, you it's know? what a business is. It, it's like yeah. you know, it lit it litigates myth. I can't even talk risk and then it it like tests out the waters and takes in things that have been doing it's just it's just yep. the name of the game there's never it's never gonna happen yeah it, it took me so long uh in this industry like when i was younger to like i, I was so like oh my gosh working for nickelodeon would be so cool like they make cool stuff and like now realizing like oh it's like that's just the, a house where money is like there's like the artists that make stuff are like largely toiling away outside the studio like even if people are developing pitches that they're going to pitch to a studio, they're doing it on their own time. Like, there's, oh, yeah. you know, studios I, don't develop their own ideas in-house. It doesn't happen. 
I'm I'm somebody who develops pitches and pitches them around. The amount of hours I've yeah. I've put in and like it's it's uh I still do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I I this is kind of just a question for you. Uh do you so are the pitches you're coming up with are they all, are they stop motion based or are you like branching out uh I have I have stop motion and 2D and 2D. I have yeah. uh pitches that I've completely finished. Well, I have I have four pitches. One is unfinished, it's 2D. Uh yeah. but uh finished pitches i have two stop motion and one one 2d 2d because like think... my brain my brain thinks in both and you mentioned something previously that uh resonates with me is why is this in stop motion or why is this in animation and like for me like if it's like if it can be 2d animated why am i doing it in stop motion so like the things that i'm pitching in stop motion yeah. have to be in stop motion because it's just how the how the jokes and the storytelling hits better and the things in 2d like it just makes sense because it's I don't know. It's just that it, you can do things in 2D that you can't do in 3D in stop motion or live action. Yeah. So I love that. I love that. Like that, that like you're saying you have like 2D or uh, stop motion ideas that like the jokes only work in stop motion. And like, that makes so much sense. And I feel like that's like a huge, I've never seen in any pitch an executive understand that like the medium a thing is in is a requirement of no the first the, the first question every time i've pitched silly duck wizard is uh can we do this in 3d or like <laughs> what we do yeah. this in, can you do 2d designs for us i'm like uh because because you know i created like the pilot but i'm like you didn't like this because it was in 2d you liked it because it was in stop motion right, right. so no <laughs> yeah it's 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 pretty it's pretty tough too now because like people can kind of mock up like stop motion and blender but i think like yeah. the thing that like it's kind of weird to be like but you're just you're you're creating like a, a lesser version of stop motion in a program as opposed to doing a thing that is the better version in real life. And I don't like, and the, we're at a certain point now with like technology proliferation and like effort where like, I think you could actually could do this stop motion real life, like hand stop motion for if you, if for speaking for studio is cheaper technically than you would if you would try to like uh, do all the bells most you have to do to like to mock it up in 3d now the problem is like i think with american studios they're like oh if it looks like crap it looks like crap we'll just do it cheaper you know but like i i just i have to believe that like people are kind of getting sick of like it's like people get sick of eating the same food over and over again so like if all they're seeing is like computerized stuff they start to kind of crave traditional stuff i feel like that's kind of happened with marvel where they're like i've seen these computer pixels punch each other for 20 years now i'm so tired of it like the colors all look the same so like i i feel like we're almost in a moment and it's kind of happening more with like um, indie film, like uh, live action film, but like people are kind of starting to gravitate towards like human stories again. And like, Oh, I can see the, the human hand in the making of this thing that is going to make me want to see this thing. It's like what Wes Anderson's built his entire career around is like, yeah. Hey, this guy does things with his hands. It's cool to look at, you know? And like, there's like a cooked in crowd for that at all times. It's okay. interesting. I think everything everywhere all at once was kind of a testament to that too with the, the yeah. first special effects. But yeah, I mean like a good part about like Marvel and stuff like uh, kind of CG is like ruined stuff for me, like Marvel and Star Wars. And it's like so easy to just like watch an entire world built in like five, a five second clip. And I don't even care about it anymore. I'm just like, oh, yeah. whatever, giant fantasy scene, like whatever. Whereas like yeah. the old movies, I used to like relish on every detail, look it up later, like like research the models that the studio had like built and then how they filmed it and like whatever because it was yeah. so much more effort they they had to like put more i guess like cinematography and like special moments to like the cool things they did like the old star wars as an example 
Yeah. Versus even like today, now, like, it's so easy good. to just like, oh, you're in a new world every five seconds. I don't even care yeah. what it looks like anymore. <laughs> and it, it kind of changes how they tell the stories too. Because like one thing I like about limitations is like it it makes it kind of limitations kind of build your style. Yeah. Right. Like what you think totally, you can yeah. and can't do. And like without limits, it's just all over the place. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't this be cool? And like, yes, you could build a whole movie out of wouldn't this be cool? And then you just have a bunch of like video game cutscenes stitched together, which I think like is what heavy CG stuff kind of suffers from. Yeah. Like, I'm really worried about the new Dune because like the previous one was so like practical effects shot mm -hmm. with, the, you know, in the desert and the and the trucks yeah. and everything. And the new one has a lot of CG in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, I, I guarantee the exact note was like this one, but bigger. And what they mean by bigger is like more computers involve more computers and like that. That's pretty tough. Well, anyways, Keith, I feel like we've been well, we've been chatting for quite a, a while. Yeah, I think we've hit the, the limit uh, at this is, point. Is there anything else that you know? Maybe we should wrap up. But is there anything else you wanted to you wanted to chat on? Or we didn't hit on that. You know, you want to share now that we've we've chatted about everything under the sun. Ooh, I don't I don't think so. I guess what I would want to leave people with is that don't get discouraged because there's always low moments and high moments. I think the one thing you can do is like make what's interesting to you. Uh, because as a friend told me once, like, even if nobody sees it, like, you've done a thing. And that's cool, which is like, you know, but like you, you see it, like, there's things that I'm yeah. still proud of that, like, are really old, and nobody gives a shit about. But like, for me, they were like, you know, I'm proud of it. And it still like brings some sort of emotion for me. Yeah. So and you like, you developed a skill or learned a thing that you will forever have. So like, there's there, it, it's not a zero sum game to make something that doesn't get seen. It's like, you know, the views are beside the point or whatever. Yeah. Just make a thing as you want to yeah i think whatever it is like dig down and, and really find that passion and go for it so yeah. all right keith thanks so much for coming on the chat it's been an absolute pleasure and uh i'm glad you agreed to do this because yeah. i really love your art it, it was fun it was a great conversation and uh, i also love your art and i look forward to seeing more stop motion in the world oh thank you me too <laughs> All right. If you're listening and you you want to reach out to keith or, or watch his stuff uh you can do so by checking out his website with it which is keith Packis, did I say that right? Packis, keeppackis.com right. right. or look him up on Instagram at uh, K underscore Packis or check out his YouTube, which is at Moon County A-N-M. And I'm going to include all those links in the description of this chat. And that's all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Willem Mendo and the graphics by Luhan Wang. I encourage you to look them up if you've enjoyed their work.